0: What he failed to mention is he was being dragged by the raft as he's holding his phone
1: upside down in the water. There's some details
2: left
1: out, yes. Yeah, I have a new new tagline for my safety brief in the rafting. Don't put your foot through the rope. Don't do that. Oh, don't do that.
2: (laughs) Don't put your foot on the rope. Don't put your foot anywhere
1: new. Oh, don't do that. Yeah, Don't do that. All right, welcome to Direct Connect, this is Nick Weber, joined today by Brent Castaneto and Brian Carr. How you guys doing?
0: Not Very good.
1: Today. All right. Today we're gonna to be talking about recent audit experiences, kind of auditing in a post-COVID world, now that we're back to normal, uh, whatever that looks like. What kind of stuff have you guys been up to in the audit or, or dealing with the auditor side of things? Um, Brent, what about you? I think you've had a couple of recent engagements, we'll say.
0: Yeah. Yeah, interesting to see how the regions are are varied in their uh, approach to an audit. And I'll give you an example that I've seen recently uh, in the last month or so. Client working in a a region, um, they're spread across multiple regions. They're part of the MRRE uh, scenario, and the region uh, has reached out to them Nine months prior to the audit, ask them to complete the evidence request tool in order to use that as part of their uh, compliance oversight planning. So, they're, as they're identifying and scoping the audit, they're actually leveraging the ERT and doing some type of micro audit. I don't know what you want to call it, but and maybe I'm a, you know I'm in a trapped in a booth and I'm a conspiracy theorist, but no, this is something I've I've actually seen uh,
1: in, in recent weeks. How About you, Brian, have you seen similar?
0: Yeah,
2: there. Well. Kind of similar vein to what Brent and I think probably a different region, but um, you know the the scope of a particular audit was limited to, for example, step two, uh, maybe in this case, and, and uh, the auditor's asking for a bunch of other tabs on the ERT in this case to be filled out that don't. I mean everything tangentially relates to step two, right? But that's not. You know, directly involved with the SIP 2 audit. So, you know, even filling out the the personnel tab, you know, what what does that have to do with SIP 2? Um, and, and the response was somewhat similar to what Brent described. like we're, you know, we, we want we want to have a, a broad picture of what's going on, not necessarily to help them scope the audit, but I think to help them uh, develop some, some questions and kind of some directions they may want to go. You look at SIP 5, you know. Devices uh, in the context of SIP 2 like things get kind of kind of fuzzy there. So we've seen seen the ERT being used in different ways. That's that's definitely a. I think Brent's example is probably one of the more, I won't say extreme, uh, but uh, definitely one that's uncommon that far in advance and to use it as a scoping mechanism. I think you're right, Brent. There would have to be some kind of assessment. I'm trying to think when you and I sit down and do, you know, entity assessments. Uh, you know we're looking you know do a risk assessment of some kind like if we had that kind of information you'd have to do a micro audit you know like oh this doesn't look right let's look at that some more you know that doesn't sound right let's look at that like that's an interesting approach
0: not not to mention you know think of the level of effort that is to put together that's not an easy not a trivial task right it, it takes a lot of effort and time and energy to to gather that information put it together in a compelling way and then deliver it in the appropriate you know columns rows sections and then the QA process to have to do that 9 months prior to the audit engagement it just yeah. seems very very odd so well we
2: we saw a lot of struggles you know as they've if they as they've done revisions to that ERT over the last couple of years you know even things that seem minor to your point um, it's a major deal to a lot of entities where in how they're managing their data how they're tracking stuff just those minor tweaks like oh we want to add you know a column here or whatever it's a it's a big deal people really underestimate especially NERk and the regions underestimate the burden on the entities for a lot of that stuff
1: yeah I know when I was with uh, the PSWG when I was the vice chair for that out in WEC that was one of the big things we pushed back on is the WEC audit team um, I won't name any names, but some of the guys we used to work with said, Oh, it's not that big of a deal. We're just we're just asking for this information in this format. It's like, well right. for for a smaller utility, yeah, that's maybe eight, ten hours of work. But you get one of the massive ones where they have over a thousand people with SIP access, that might be yep. a month's worth of work to go and retool that. And that's if you have the tool that outputs the way that matches the ERT, which it bothers yeah. me that so many utilities have started to, to try to manage to that tool that's not approved by anybody other than someone at NERC, maybe? <laughs> um, if anybody knows it, who it,
2: approved it, yeah, let us know.
1: I mean, we know where it came from, and I think even those guys would say, yeah, this is insane. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, there's, there's no entity oversight on it.
2: People have built tools or steered their existing tools to output into a certain format so consider those back end changes as well
1: yeah. yeah that that was remember the ert first came out that was i th- i thought that the uh, the sip audit team manager there might not get out of that wicket or that uh, pswg <laughs> meeting alive uh, well, we, it was we, we it we was did, spicy we
2: was the ert right Nick?
1: Oh, we, yeah we, we know what was this the efsa back when mro the FSA, was using efsa yeah
2: the FSA. For those of you familiar um, with the F-Saw. Remember, remember when we you punished us and made us
1: go back to MRO when we got in trouble, Brent? <laughs> I mean, it was
0: beautiful. It was early March in Minneapolis. Who wouldn't want to be there?
1: Oh, yeah. well, Minneapolis wasn't so bad. It was South Dakota when we got the blizzard. Yep. But Brian oh, had yeah. to drive me all over Watertown, South Dakota, to find a coat because it was sunny in Salt Lake when we left.
2: Yeah, and <laughs> miraculously, they didn't sell coats at that time of year because, well, winter was over. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah. Oh, the F saw
1: though. But yeah, that, that was the precursor to it. The other one is you were talking through kind of the, the mini audit took me back to the the earliest days of that risk-based audit approach, or auditing. And, yeah. and I remember we were sitting there going, oh, we still do a risk assessment, what's different? And I remember having some of those discussions with the enforcement team, what do they call them, the risk assessment team, the rats, whatever they call themselves oh, there.
2: The rams. And the rams. asking them, how
1: is this not, uh, no, they're a rat. I'm I'm saying okay. with the rat. Okay. Like, Remember but but we looked at that and said this is just an audit with another yeah. name. It's an audit before the audit, but your internal controls assessment, whichever acronym they've got for it this week, it's an audit. You can call it what you want. Yeah. Uh, anytime the regulators come look at your stuff, it's an audit. Yep. I mean with a very very few exceptions. And they're usually worse than an audit, in my experience. And, yeah, really and events, anal- honestly, the there are times they're coming, and it's not an audit. It's an events analysis or an investigation. Likely, I'd yeah. rather have the – I'd take the audit over those two. I don't know about you guys. But <laughs> yeah, I know they have their assist teams, but I don't trust that model either because if you follow the money, not to get too Ooh. far into the firewalling. All, but- oh, yeah. all, the, all the conspiracies are just boiling <laughs> oh, to the oh, surface yeah. today.
2: <laughs> There's a firewall, Nick.
1: Teeing you up there, bro. <laughs> <laughs>
2: No, nope. you're not going to take it? All right.
1: No. Nope. No, I'm not going there. Nope.
0: <laughs> I've gone too far in my isolation booth here. I think I've reached my limit.
1: <laughs> too far down the rabbit hole. All right. All right. Uh, Indeed. It's pretty awesome. Um, I, I think on
2: talking about audit approach, I'll, I'll kick off kind of on another topic is, um, you know, we've seen obviously some pretty wild audit scopes. By wild, I mean very limited, uh, which you know, to some folks is a good thing, to, to others it's not. Um, and I I don't know that I have an opinion one way or another, I think more of my issue is how they arrive at, at such a, a pared down scope, um, you know, how that's contrived. I know there's an official process, and you know, evaluations, again, audits, many audits, whatever. Um, but I find it interesting, you know, if, if they're truly trying to drill down and, on areas of risk, um, and they're scoping an audit very narrowly that they land on some of the standards they land on, right? Um, you know, some that are not traditionally viewed as high risk or uh, high, highly violated or frequently violated uh, kind of standards. Uh, some some of those audit scopes have been very interesting. Uh, I don't know if other others have seen that around, but uh, but definitely in a couple of regions, we we have a you know client gets out of scope and we go, huh, like. I, you know, first of all, that's it, and then it's why those, and you know we can't, yeah, can't back into that, you know, logically. So there's got to be some some magic sauce behind the scenes that's leading them to that
1: conclusion. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if there's a good answer to it because I just I've yet to hear any sort of explanation that would make me remotely think it's okay for an auditor not to look at for SIP standards, SIP two, SIP five, SIP six. If you're not looking at the foundation and the, the perimeters, yeah. there's just it's too too much of a too many bad things can happen if you whiff on one of those three, particularly sip yeah. two. Um, yeah, I think oh, you but can, we, you can fight at it through. Three and, years ago, you know, yeah, nothing
2: that's, changed. I looked at it three years ago. I, I, I don't buy that either.
1: Yeah, because I, I was not at a substation last week where they were building a brand new line that was going to completely completely differentiate the entire system in four years from where yeah. it is today. That doesn't happen ever. Nobody ever buys a power plant.
2: Yeah, nobody ever finds a new substation, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, those are some, I I just don't, I haven't heard a good excuse for that other than risk-based being thrown out and then asking for the definition of risk-based without using the terms risk or based. I've yet to hear that from anyone in the ERO enterprise
0: that's the challenging thing is, you know, we have no insight into that. And, and we've understood that process, we, we know that process. But right now, the outputs that we're seeing with the limited audit scopes, i am seeing it to uh, clients I work with, and just things that I would consider, and most would consider lower risk areas, it seems very interesting. Yeah. Uh, I have seen them dig in significantly deeper into those specific standards. Now that they do have the time, uh, there is they're definitely a, a, a depth that we have not seen in some of the regions uh, at some of their uh, evaluation of evidence. So uh, burden of proof is, is, is a little bit tougher uh, level of uh, audit evidence. It takes a little bit longer to kind of go through that and walk through it with them because they're going to be methodical with these uh, lower scoped audits.
2: Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a funny thought because I remember you know we always joke about spare time as an auditor is a bad thing, right? We, we've all sat in that chair and you got a little extra time to look at something a little more closely um, oftentimes doesn't go well for the entity because let's be honest if you dig hard enough in just about any standard you're gonna find an issue yep. um, it, it's just it's just how it is everybody knows that nobody wants to say it so you know here i am saying it but if you had enough time and dug hard enough in any standard any requirement for any particular entity you could find an issue if you're really really looking for it so that's the that's like I say, potentially one of the downsides to these shorter scope dot or smaller scope audits. Uh, like you were saying, Brandon, they're drilling in a lot deeper on a lot of that stuff.
1: You no, know, on the, the physical side, we're seeing more spot checks, seeing those used. I think, I don't know if we had a spot check the entire time that I was at WEC. We didn't have time to do them. And that was ultimately it came down to. We, um, we, did,
0: we did a couple different, There were, a, brand, there were a couple, there were a couple, were but quick. it was very limited. Yeah. yeah it was very limited.
1: But I'm seeing a lot more of that.
2: It's more of a phone interview, and that was about it.
1: Yeah. At that time. But but that's one of the things I know that I'm when I'm working with clients, I'm cautioning is that just because your audit was done, don't think you got three years now. Um, especially with this this reorg and whack where they're doing. I'm curious. The uh, the skeptic in me is has all kinds of red flags popping, but but I also can see some opportunity for I think what Deb McIndaffer's vision there is to really get a lot better at this and actually start to, by having a smaller group focused on a smaller set of entities, actually get more of that continuity audit over audit over audit where maybe they can rely on what they saw three years ago and kick it off with a what's changed in three years. Yeah. Um, Then maybe a cursory Mm -hmm. look and then having that physical security team that she's got with Brady Phelps leading now kind of popping around and whatever they turn up I'm sure is going to feed back to those other three teams. So if they're on a, yep. if they're on a SIP fourteen or a SIP six or even a SIP three low impact spot check and run into something, I can't imagine that's not going to be a phone call back to to Stacia or Tom or the third team lead to be named later. Hey, you got to come take a look at your our friends here. Yeah. So. yeah. But also, it makes me feel kind of like Brian. I know you and I were somewhat involved in the the audit that never ended for a while. There what was that a five year, <laughs> twice a year audit. <laughs> the continuous yeah. monitoring audit it. I mean, yeah, yeah. I think the other piece that the that's been monitoring. that that model has now been tested and set to a degree proven. So I think if you're if you're on the high risk or bad kids list, I think that's yeah. gone from more of an empty threat to they figured it out. Yeah, it's yeah. not fun yeah. for anyone, but two or three standards at a time every six
2: months. Yeah, it's, it's a continuous.
1: Well, and, is it and I 20, think, eighteen to twenty-two.
2: Yeah, yeah, but I, I think also it's be interesting to see if, if they're really going back. And I haven't, I haven't, you know, done the analysis and seen, you know, where where the focus has been in, in this context. And what I'm saying is, you have an entity that has consistent issues in, uh, pick a standard, whatever. Are they going back and targeting those issues to see if they've really been resolved? Or are they just taking the mitigation plan at face value the entity saying, yep, we did all this fancy stuff. Here's some neat new paperwork. But actually going back the following year and, and poking again on that spot, saying, oh, is it really, and testing that. Um, I don't know that that's happening. That's what I would like to kind of see happen at, You know, for the betterment of the industry is you identify a problem, yeah, they'll fix it, but nobody goes back and look at it for another three years or even longer before
1: somebody pokes at that again. Um, so I think that's, that's part uh, of the intent with this new arrangement at WAC. Yeah. We'll see devils in the details, and we'll see. Yeah. The enemy always gets a vote, so we'll see what happens once the rubber hits the road on that.
2: But. <laughs> it's one of your favorite sayings.
1: The auditor gets a vote.
2: The enemy gets a vote.
1: <laughs> yeah, lots of lots of changes. I'd love to get into the the SIP 14 Tech Conference, but I'm not there. I'm not ready yet.
2: <laughs> not enough time has passed since. Uh, since I, I don't know called. that we
1: have enough of a bleep button for that. <laughs> uh, hold it over to next yes. week hold we'll it over hold right that next one to the next i mean
0: week. well I mean, that's the, kind of in, get in that conspiracy effect. theory well oh. i can join you i don't i don't know if i'll have my booth but
2: <laughs> we'll send you back to salt lake for the booth so yeah there. and there are definitely some SIP 14 things i know nick wants to talk about so stay tuned. yeah
1: i know we've definitely seen a different audit approach kind of going back to the audit side on that and i think we've we've talked about that quite a bit but um yeah. definitely seeing auditors within that realm get well beyond the language of the standard. And I think I've seen that bleed over in some of the other stuff too, into the, the purpose and intent of the standard, which mm-hmm. I I still don't know how you audit to that. I don't know how that holds up at all, but. Yeah. yeah. I remember that was one of the things when we were looking at SIP 14, Brian, when it first came out and we were trying to figure the audit approach, there was a certain amount of, we're gonna call a violation we know might get dismissed, but we're gonna challenge you to stand up publicly and defend a bad decision. Yeah. If you truly have a bad decision. Um, that's true but I don't know what I'm seeing there is auditing to opinion Um, yeah but that's the way the standard was written and no one to blame but the drafting team on that one and everyone who hasn't put in a SAR since then so I think we're all at fault to a degree on that one Hmm. but I think that was the, the advice that we gave way back when was flexibility cuts both ways keep that in mind if you're on a on a drafting team
2: yeah, but, or, or providing comments back. I mean, that's yeah. You know, there's, there's obviously plenty of opportunity whether they listen to it or not. But
1: yep, you
2: see, you see flexibility. That's not necessarily a good thing.
1: Any other thoughts for what we're seeing in the audit world or out of the regions, kind of in that post-COVID back on the road piece? Uh, so some
2: of the old things are starting to crop back up. Like uh, we, we, I think we touched on it on a previous episode, but you know the the number of DRs that you're getting, you know, some of that stuff is still touted. Uh, out there you know oh we only had you know 18 data requests in our auditor you know like there's there's this imaginary metric that maybe 15 years ago had some merit but for a very long time um, really doesn't hold a lot of water so you know if there's people still holding on to that urban legend that you know the lower the lower uh, dr count that you have is good the higher dr count that you have is bad um, it, it varies so widely now um, depending on a lot of different factors that don't use that as a metric, you're reporting to your management. Like, yeah, we made it through this audit with six DRs. Well, okay, it was, you know, two requirements in your audit, Woohoo. hoo uh, So yeah, I don't know, that that one I still see coming up just as a, yeah. as a pet peeve, I guess, we can call it. There's there's a lot of people marching to low number of DRs, low number of DRs, and like their, you know, their job as a compliance manager or anything else is tied to this. Hey. We got we got out of this with a very low number of data requests either you got lucky the auditor's retired lots of different things <laughs> lots of different things can play into that data request number so
1: brent anything from you nothing what? else for me
0: it's I'm been just a glad fun discussion has taken me back <laughs> i'm just glad to
1: see that, that unlike some of our friends who jumped into a river without a life jacket you made it back out so yeah
0: safely well done safely how's Hello. the leg brian oh it's doing good legs healing okay. up good Oh, you got. Glad if, to hear it.
2: don't you know what we're talking about. You need to go back and watch our last, it's on target, right? The on
0: target.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. It was um, had a good time. pretty time. It was pretty epic. I, I came and, back. And and
1: just, if you ever want to, go, if you want to go whitewater rafting on the salmon, give me a call. Yeah. i be down there in about four hours. I and can't and, guarantee and, you won't end up with a, a bruise the face of Jesus, but <laughs> <laughs> have a good story.
0: Next a great guy. He'll take you through the rapids backwards. It's a great experience. Or sideways, even oh, sideways oh, sometimes. <laughs>
1: I just want to know what kind of stickum you had on your hand because the NFL banned it for your phone stand on when you went through. Oh, I did. I,
2: I, had the, I had the pine tar on it. So for those that don't know, again, go back and watch the on-target. But I was I was filming as we were going through a rapid because I realized we weren't catching any footage, and I have one of those pop sockets on my phone. So <laughs> I, I, I had, apparently, as I went overboard, I had the death grip on the phone as I went over, and I came up with it. And uh, it's a testament to both the pop socket and the waterproof flames of the iPhone it, uh, it survived.
0: What he failed to mention is he was being dragged by the raft as he's holding his phone upside
1: down in the water. There's some details so. that he left out, yes. Yeah, I have a new new tagline for my safety brief in the rafting. Don't put your foot <laughs> through the rope. Don't do that. Oh don't do that.
2: <laughs> don't, don't put your foot on the rope, don't put your foot anywhere um, new Oh don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> Stop doing stupid stuff it's going on. Yeah,
1: there we go. That's gotta be it.
2: <laughs> that and the other
1: well we have the other shirt too but we can't talk about that one yet
2: no that's Archer After Dark After we Archer. gotta
1: save that one we gotta save Katrina's shirt for for another time
2: yeah yeah
1: alright guys well thanks for joining us thank you uh, have a great time take care guys yeah appreciate it thank you see you. Not only is Direct Connect
0: available to listen to, you can also watch each episode on our YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com forward slash ArcherU. If you're interested in who we are and what we do, you can head on over to our website at archerint.com. You can also follow us on our social media platforms, Archer International on Facebook, Archer Energy Solutions, LLC on LinkedIn, and at ArcherSEC on Twitter. Thanks for listening and check back every other week for brand new episodes of Direct Connect.